Talk Show is brought to you by... Hey, want to feel young again? Are you tired, run down, have aches and pains, brain fog? This is science-based, not hype or fancy marketing. It really works. Carbon-60 helps detoxify your body on the cellular level. It stabilizes free radicals, just like the antioxidants found in red wine and berry stew, but on a far smaller, more bioavailable nanoscale. It's like a bottle of electrons, helping your body to function better. You can also apply it on your skin, topically, over muscles, joints, or organs. Most people feel results within minutes. This is not a drug. It's organic carbon. Feel better today. About 95% of our users report more energy and clarity of mind within 10 days. Give us a call at Greska's Carbon 60 at 720-600-6040 or visit our site at c-60.com. Call 720-600-6040 and feel young again. Welcome back to DNBC Network iHealth Radio. This is the H Factor, and today I have a, a you know a nice show that we're going to have a good discussion with uh, you know a guest that I've uh, we've been trying to put this together for a little almost a year now. We've had a couple of reschedules, you know, things happen in life as we know. We everybody is busy, things uh, do come up, but as he had said, persistence and and you know we made it happen. And today is the day where we're going to do this, and we're going to have some discussion. And, you know, with me today, we're going to talk about conflict resolution and uh, we're going to talk about, you know, different things and how to deal with some things and operate in the real world in in, in a way that is decent. And, and and my my guest specializes into this and he has a very interesting background, too. So, so we're going to get, you know, we're going to go through all that stuff. And he's a dancer. And we're going to talk about that, too. So <laughs> so with me today, Jerry Fu, he is a, a conflict resolution coach. And specifically for the Asian um, uh, American leaders, right? That's that's the 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 key. And so we're gonna learn about that. And I love that concept because uh, there is a reason behind it. So so first thing, without any further ado, Tara, you, you know, you know, I'm really excited about this, right? So Me too. <laughs> I I I I um, I want to hear about this whole conflict piece because I think we have a problem in this world, <laughs> and we oh. can't handle it. So 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 Jerry. Let's talk about first your background, you know, and and because because being a pharmacist, that's actually your 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 main stuff, right? Yeah. I, I mean, how do you go from there? I mean, <laughs> to to where you, what do you do today? Let's let, yeah. let's let's go there. Yeah, sure. So to kind of touch on the big things to give the you know the ten thousand foot flyover, you know, I I was born in the U.S. to Taiwanese immigrants, right? And so being a child of immigrants, you struggle to belong, right? Because on one hand, your Mandarin's not good enough for your Taiwanese relatives, and then everyone's just picking on you and telling you to go back to Japan because that's apparently where I belong. <laughs> and so this is you're already struggling with a sense of belonging, which means that you're ripe for approval addiction and people pleasing, right? So I'm, you know, I'm this kid, I'm feeling lonely, and I just want you know people to like me, right? And so that sets in some very dangerous habits that I'm sure people can pick up on where when people are upset with me, I usually just back down or take the path of least resistance, right? Uh, oh, well, I, my, you know, doesn't matter if I'm upset, I'm not allowed to express that because, you know, that's either you're being disrespectful or, you know, you wouldn't want someone to hurt your feelings. So let me just 
suppress this and just maybe eventually I'll get over it. So this is the kind of person I grew up to be by the time I hit like college or, or pharmacy school, right? It's just, Hey, let me just feel like I can get along. Let me just fit in, even if it's to my detriment. Right. Um, and again, I realized I took a lot of life personally when I realized every immigrant kid goes through this. And, you know, on one hand, I'm not alone. On the other hand, I still have to find a way to kind of run my own race a little better. Right. So, uh, again, in line with this people pleasing nature, I get into pharmacy school. I finish pharmacy school. I work for a chain pharmacy when I first start because my mother wants me to have the stability that my father never had. My dad had two master's degrees, still struggled to find gainful employment because he was considered overqualified. You know, can you imagine like a worse reason to not get hired? And so, my mom's like, even though she had never worked a day in her life in pharmacy, moms know best, right? And they say, yeah, these are the, this are the benefits. Enjoy them, please. And the thing about that is that you don't realize that the grass is really isn't that greener on the other side. Like it has its own set of problems. And so after five years of pharmacy work that I was tolerating, but not ultimately happy with, I knew I had to change something. And so I leveraged my connections to get a teaching position at a pharmacy consulting company that I moved from Tennessee down to Houston for. And so this is where the roller coaster gets really interesting because I thought initially that this would be the last job I ever needed. This would be the last company I ever needed to work for. But I got fired 11 months later. And it was my fault. I tell people, uh, I, at my previous company, right, if a patient was upset and I could just placate them and I'd go home upset or people would be upset with me uh, if I dropped the ball, but I was too good at my job for them to really write me up or hold me accountable for anything. They just gave me a lot of rope and they said, well, you know, uh, we're mad at him, but it never got to the point where they'd actually fire me. But this company, on the other hand, said, we are paying you to get a job done, not to give us stories as to why you didn't have to get it done. And that was a lesson I did not appreciate until many years later when I became a, a manager and had to fire people as well. But I'm getting ahead of myself with that, <laughs> with that bit of information. So yeah, the first reality check was getting fired from this company that I thought I would never get fired from. And that was, uh, at the time, it was just really tough to to know that I'd burned some bridges for some people who would help me even get the position. And so then the second reality check happened when I stumbled into a job where four of my paychecks bounced filling for crooked doctors. So not only was I jeopardizing my license, uh, the guy wasn't even paying me. And how do you confront a guy who's clearly ripping you off? Right. When we talk about conflict, right. And it's just, you see this theme over and over again. Oh, well, I don't want to upset anybody, even though I'm upset. And again, just, I didn't know how to break through that for a long, long time. Uh, fast forward a couple months, my friends helped me get out of that shady job, but with a company that can't pay me more than eight hours a week. And so now I said, well, what do I do? And they said, well, you can get more hours if you cover out our Austin location, which is two and a half hours away. It's a great city. I could end up in worse places. So beggars can't be choosers. I go out to Austin. Great work team. Didn't feel like home. Didn't know what my life would look like at that point because now Houston was starting to feel like home. Uh, that summer was key. This was 11 years ago now. That summer was key because some friends who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit said, hey, uh, one of our facilitators backed out. We'd love for you to step in to, to help teach this material. And I said, absolutely. I love you guys. I, I want to do this. And so teaching leadership 
changed something in in the way I thought about myself and seeing leadership modeled for me with a partner who really brought out the best of me and had to ask myself, how in the world did he do that? And so now I'm thinking to myself before it was, oh, like leadership is hard. I'm not good at it. I tried a couple of times. People didn't do what I said and I just must not be good at it or will never be good at it after you know two or three tries and failures. But now I said, well, what if I could be good at it, right? I gave myself permission to for what's possible and I said, well, how would I carry myself? What kind of work would that involve? And so I'm all fired up now, right? And the full-time manager position opened up in Houston that fall. And I said, wow, um, yeah, love my Austin team. Can't stay safe. I got to try this out. Got to take on this challenge. want to sleep in my own bed again. So again, very short-sighted. Oh, finally, I get to come back to Houston and, you know, I'm set. And then... 11 months later, for some reason, that's the magical number. <laughs> 11 months later, I get written up actually, because I have technicians who are not pulling their weight and I am not confronting them, writing them up or, or firing them because one in particular needed to be fired. And so leadership said, well, their behavior is a problem and your passivity is a problem. Uh, grace is a nice reason to not engage, but that is a cop-out in this case, right? So while I'm on probation, the company has their funding pulled and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I was going to try to leave anyway. But I said, well, what do I do? And randomly, an opportunity fell into my lap to apply for. And the only reason to even get an interview now was that I had leadership experience on my resume. So I said, ah, leadership saved my career because now it's starting to open doors that I didn't have access to otherwise. That said... The jobs that I was finding would only last like one or two years. They were like icebergs. Like I'd hop from one iceberg to the next, it would melt, and then I'd keep jumping. And I love that. You know, yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, miraculously, my current job has actually lasted six and a half years. Uh, and you know, it has now ironically the longest tenure job I've had in my 18-year career. But at the time in 2017, until this job came about, I said, I'm tired of fighting insurance contracts that dictate my worth or just, you know, kill us financially. I'm tired of begging scripts from doctors to keep us alive. But I love this people development piece. What if I tried to have a career as a coach or facilitator full time? And of course, I was so scared of rejection and failure that it just remained a hobby for several years. Um, and I didn't know how to start a business, build a business, right? A scale a business. And I decided to get some formal coach training in 2020, right as, guess what? The pandemic oh, ramps up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ta-da! And <laughs> yeah, right. And so it was funny because thankfully my day job, my boss has never missed a payroll. Uh, and, you know, thankful for that. But I knew between turning 40 and the pandemic, I said, okay, how much longer am I going to put this dream off? Because now I was talking to people that told me, hey, here's how you found the LLC start a business bank account. I know a guy who can get a website up for cheap. I said, all right, let's do this. And the first year I was just terrified because I was like, where do I find money? <laughs> you know, What do I do with that? And uh, you, you realize if you don't like rejection, like your business will not get off the ground. If you don't know how to negotiate, you will not get the rates that you feel like are, are worth your time and effort. Right. And so again, this aversion to conflict just keeps coming up again and again. Uh, and so that's kind of where things are now. That's where the transition from pharmacy to leadership happens and the consistent obstacle in my way uh, in order to get better as a leader was initiating and navigating difficult conversations because it happened all over the place, right? Not just in my professional setting. I was doing a lot of church volunteerism. 
I had to confront a sexual predator in the class I just became a director for. At one point, I had to evict a roommate because he defaulted on his lease and he basically hid in his room and dared me to actually call the cops to have him escorted off for trespassing, right? And so it's just every angle was about, hey, are you going to have this conversation or not? And that's why I just said, you know what, I'm going to turn around and said, when I decided on a niche, I said, you know what, I know Asian leaders that were like me 10 years ago that struggle with this. And why not help them navigate these challenges a little more effectively, right? Let's let's like shorten the learning curve just a little bit so that they can actually move on to more meaningful challenges. So that is the initial uh piece to start off with and feel free to pick at it however you want <laughs> wow well i'm gonna pick a lot of <laughs> there's yeah. quite a bit there that we can literally expand in the whole hour well yeah. first things first wow i yeah. mean it's it's an amazing uh, transitional story and mm. uh, so i want to go back all the way to the start you sure know? I mean, you started with the idea of being the son of immigrants mm-hmm. uh and not belonging and by the way you said it best. I mean, you're not the only one. There's there's millions of of of, of people in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Listen, I would consider my kids the same as you. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm an immigrant personally, and yeah. you know, well, sometimes I I can finagle it easy that you know I, I got luckier, I guess, in a way. But mm-hmm. but many don't have you know as zero generation or generation zero, I would call them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different. That's your parents, and then but you are the the new you know uh, I guess formula the new. Per you know, person in mm-hmm. in the states where wait, this is your home. There is no, I mean, that's your parents' home, but this is this is it. Mm-hmm. And you have to belong in both cultures. You have to belong in, you know, you're really Taiwanese, but you're not Taiwanese. And by the way, you know, like you belong, but you don't belong. You do mm-hmm. want to belong, but you're not. And by the way, that goes for any back, you yeah. know, ethnic background. Yeah. And it's very difficult because, in a way, to your point. Uh, you're being perceived as still immigrant. I mean, people look at you and they decide. I mean, unfortunately, that's just how it is, you know, these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully better changing over time. And then, or, you know, then they hear you that's like, well, you don't sound like an immigrant. You're really like, you know, I mean, if I hear you on the radio, those that watch you right now, they 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 just not going to know, right? Unless you say it, they're not going to know. Mm-hmm. And and so you have that part. And then the, uh, the, the parents are also like under pressure because they mm-hmm. want you to be like, we want you to integrate. You want you want to be it, yeah. but then your family may not be so keen on that because you're a little bit of a. Well, you don't speak the language really. You're like you know they make fun of you. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. I have that same thing with my kids. I mean, people yeah. make fun of them when they speak you know our dialect. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. originally from Morocco, so that mm-hmm. could be a little bit interesting, mm-hmm. you know. And we we make jokes about it, but yeah. but it it is a difficult task. But it is a, a very hard to 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 be in your position. You're the transitional, you know, mm-hmm. generation. Yeah. I mean, maybe your kids will have a whole different, you know, uh, spin on things. They may not even speak. I mean, I don't know if you teach them, you know, the Mandarin and and, and the, the local dialects. But mm-hmm. if you are, that's great. I mean, you want to keep that culture and, and the traditions going. And I, yeah. I admire that. But it is sometimes it gets dissipated and eventually mm-hmm. it gets lost over. I mean, I, I know generations that may not speak the, 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 the grandparents mm-hmm. or the parents language. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is that is a loss. So and and I love that you you kept with your heritage and you know that's the other thing. Now I I love what you said about your mom talking about a career path. Now mm-hmm. as you said, oh and by the way, I want to touch on what you said about your dad. Sure, two master's degrees, mm-hmm. and that is a reality of things, folks. I mean, as you are more educated, as you are more in a higher level, in in terms of of a I guess career path, it is always going to be harder for you to find a similar job because there's less and less of those. 
the transition, the time frame that it will take to actually get hired when you're in a high position is always hard. And if you're too overqualified, no one wants to take you for a regular job because they think you're just going to park for a minute and then you're not going to give them what's best. And so it becomes a challenge. And it is, some people see the value of you and they, they might give you a shot. But some people are like, oh, some people are maybe intimidated because you're too overqualified. You might be knowing more than them and they don't want to give you that shot because they don't want you to take their spot. I mean, there's there's all these things that can happen. And and this this falls right into the the conflict, you know, idea is that it is a conflict in its own. Like, you know, how do you present your character as like, well, I have this education, you can't hide it. I mean, you could literally take it off your resume, but mm-hmm. then they do a background and it shows up, it's a problem. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, and you tell them, well, I didn't want to put it there because you would probably not look at me because I'm too overqualified. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. And and it, it is hard, right? I mean, and I know it was a struggle. So your mom was just trying, like, well, we want to do something right. I want you to go to a formal school. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to get to these things that are guaranteed. And a pharmacy is a guaranteed business. When you're a pharmacist, you're a pharmacist. Yeah. You know, you can open your own. You can work, you know. And, and of course, to open your own, it requires funding. It requires a lot of money. It's not cheap. I looked into it with a friend of mine who was a pharmacist. That's a lot of money. So we never did, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, 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 so you wind up also working at a, at a, at a franchise pharmacy, if you want to call it that way, like, you know, a box pharmacy yeah. and a corporate pharmacy. And, and so, and you're right, they, you know, it's guaranteed. You move from store to store, you run one store and you're doing a thing and that's it. And you did that for a few years and that was a good thing. Um, but, but the, the concept of where you transited into the, the, the conflict or job from job. And I love what you said about those icebergs. They just melt and you go to the next one. Uh, that's a good description. You know, uh, listen, everybody tries to find themselves, you know, set themselves in, in a career path. And sometimes it takes more than, than you know, than uh, expected. Because when you don't know anything and all you knew is that pharmacy business that you were in and you did exactly that, that was one thing. But when you go out of that, I guess, um, formal system and or repetitive system it's really just calculated you come in you check in you know what you do boom 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 you prescribe you out you're done and it's different when someone comes in and says oh, my prescription this that and you can handle it but now you went to a different world where you were in the i guess the freelance world or the free world <laughs> yeah and and i love what you said about shady you know provider who writes Ooh. stuff that that and and or insurance, you know. By the way, I'm an insurer myself, so yeah. we can talk about that. I know you guys don't like us a lot in the pharmacy world, uh, but but again, it's not that you know. I mean, there's formularies, right? Most of these companies have formularies, and some participate in some. You know, they covered some drugs and no drugs and tears and all that stuff. It becomes complicated, uh, and we don't have to go into the the pharmacy tech today. But but it okay. is a difficult task. But you're right. I mean, it is. Uh, sometimes difficult because your career, your finances, everything is attached to like what pays, who pays, and you know whether it's a risk there or not. And definitely do not want to lose your license that yeah. you work so hard for. So these are all things that you have. So again, for our listeners out there, you know you might relate to what we're talking about in any particular career path, and mm-hmm. also you might relate to it in terms of of you know belonging, in terms of culture, in terms of being a generation versus the other. And by the way, if we look back in the states, we can almost catch back on every person that exists here, you know, other than mm-hmm. the native, you know, indigenous, you know, you know, folks of the U S and, and the Americas. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody comes from lineage from a different part of the world. And yeah, we can go back one generation, two, three, four, five, maybe six tops. And that's it. But we're not mm-hmm. that far back, <laughs> you know, as, as a whole. And it is, it is something that sometimes we tend to forget. And uh, sometimes we don't look at it, but we have to look at it from the lens that, you know, people are here there. There's a reason why they're here. 
Now, I mean, we're not going to go into the immigration stuff and all that, that whole, that's a conflict in its own in terms of the discussion part. But it's a tough discussion because you have politics involved in there and there's, you know, the pros and the cons and all the stuff. Um, but n- neither here or there. I mean, people are here for a reason, for a better life, you know, and, uh, you know, as much as we might not think that the American dream exists the way it, it was presented, you know, years back, it has shifted. It's not, you know, the same. I mean, there's other dreams around the world these days, but but the fact is, there is some of that, you know, that that has that glimpse or that has that some root. A lot of people do um, come here for that purpose. They just want a better life, an opportunity, and and there is opportunity. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it is still better than most of the places around the world where you could, if you wanted something bad, you can achieve it here. If you wanted to get studies and you want to get a degree, you can do it at any age. I mean, some countries they don't even allow you to do that, right? So we have opportunity. And that's, again, just for, for this piece of the discussion, you know, it's 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 really relevant to, to, to highlight. Now we'll talk about your struggle with, you know, the conflict piece. The first one is you being an employee mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just, just kind of not being able to deliver and you're terminated, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, we're not talking about terminated as in the terminator. <laughs> we, yeah. we, we're talking an HR term here, so, so mm-hmm. being fired, as you clearly stated, or being mm-hmm. uh, removed from your, your position. Uh, one way or the other, that is a difficult task. Now, I know people are watching. No one wants to be fired from a job. Okay, let's be clear. But a job is a job. You join a job, and you, there's two ways to exit the job, either you voluntarily or involuntary. And and there are things that can happen why you can do both ways. And by the way, if you don't like something that you do, it's best to just walk away. Now, people don't usually do that because they'd rather be terminated or fired because you might qualify for unemployment and other things and gives you a transitory you know, chance. So there's there's some technicalities to those things, and you know we're not going to that that that. I guess trends right now, but the idea is that it's there. But listen, I have been an employee. I've have led you know teams. I've had to terminate folks. I've had to hire folks, and it is not an easy job, you know, to to be in that position. And I, I and I and I get it. It is hard to have the tough discussion. It is hard to have the come to Jesus moments where you know, hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, you're not delivering. But there is a process to all this. I mean, obviously, there's laws and things, and we have to be you know clear. But most of the people avoid conflict. In general, mm-hmm. in yeah. personal lives, at yeah. work, everywhere, we all tend to to kind of not get into the discussion, not really mm-hmm. go to it. And in time, sometimes you have to. And I love what you said. You transited to become good at it. And, you know, you had a roommate and you had to face the roommate and say, it's time for you to go or else. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so you, sometimes you have to toughen up. And, you know, it's not, that's really what it is. You, you know, you got to build a nice thick skin and it happens. You know, it's like, marriage and divorce right i mean you marry beautiful everybody's happy but then you want divorce and everybody's you know not happy but divorce can happen and it's a matter of like is this gonna work any further or maybe we have to be, put an end to it same thing with a career path a job yeah i actually had i, I use this line all the time you know for in, in interviews i'm like listen right now we're gonna we're interviewing if you do get this opportunity and uh, you know and obviously you don't tell them that they get the opportunity but if you do you know we're gonna have a phase and the introductory phase is your you know introductory period of employment to or probation as you stated you know those are our engagement moments right so we get engaged get to know each other if everything's good and then you pass now we get married now Married can also end in divorce, right? And that that would be where you go bad, and then there's a termination at the end of the process. And by the way, uh, it, it is not something to be fearful of, one way or the other. Listen, 
you get terminated here, you go somewhere else and, you know, better. People always have this fear like, oh, my God, if I'm terminated, it's going to end my career. No, sometimes it's actually good for you. You know, you you learn and you go somewhere else. Sometimes actually it helps you change career paths. That, there's many things that can come out of it. And it is it is really just an agreement disconnect. It's nothing more than that. And we, we fear it because it's like, oh, my God. Is it going to affect you in your career path? Sometimes in an industry, yes, it could be where uh, you're into, well, you can't hire someone. So and by the way, for the most part, most of the companies, they're not going to call your last employer because you have that option to select. Do not call my previous employee. And they're not. Uh, and even when they're called, they have restrictions on what they can ask and what they cannot ask for. So there is that. So, But but the concept of conflict, it happens all the time uh, between you and your you know staff, between you and your friends, between you and your family. I'm sure if, I don't know if you have siblings, you know, you do have conflict with your siblings. We start conflicts since we're kids. I mean, you, <laughs> you need to resolve these things, you know, as early on, but some people try to avoid, you know, and they deflect and they absorb things and they allow the things to get in. And that's another problem because sometimes, because I don't want to say the obvious, you know, I'll take the, the high road as they say, or I just walk away or turn the cheek away. Sometimes you got to face things head on. I mean, there's, you know, don't be an ostrich and just put your head down and think like, hey, nothing is happening. It is happening. So the best way is to, it's like, you know, someone is throwing a punch at you and you turn your face. I mean, good luck. <laughs> you know, you want to be face to face at least to see what's going on. So, so I just wanted to, to just break down some of the, the, the stuff that we had and then we yeah. can deep dive on. Now let's talk about the leadership piece. I mean, yeah. you talked about you had a facilitator role. Mm -hmm. and you know and i want to spend some time there sure. and as a facilitator or a trainer you are teaching these people certain things mm -hmm. now ultimately we're told you know in one of the, the the jobs that you didn't do a good job because they were not able to perform mm -hmm. now I, I to be personally i don't think that was your role i think if they do have their own leaders they should be the ones who are actually reinforcing mm -hmm. stuff you give instruction you give certain things now i don't know the job description to be clear about it mm -hmm. but but typically a trainer is not responsible for the performance of the people they're mm -hmm. responsible to give them the knowledge and the skills but yeah. then there are there are their leadership teams or management you know that will hire keys that can actually help them get to the next level right mm -hmm. so uh but again i don't know the situation and why you were the one to blame but but that's neither here nor there it told you better and now you're actually mm -hmm. doing more but then you translate it into really uh training leaders And so, so now that there's a concept of leadership. Now, first of all, leaders think that they know everything, right? That's in a way. I mean, I mean, they're leaders. And by the way, that's that's a wrong, you know, thing. Not every leader is a true leader, and not every leader knows everything. We're we always supposed to be learning. I consider myself a leader, but but I've proven, you know, a track record of of being a true leader over years. And what it means to me is that I was able to deliver. I was able to guide teams to, to to success and so on and so forth. I was able to generate leaders as well and coach others and mentor others into leadership roles. It doesn't make me know in all. It means that just I have a certain way to do certain things and learn. But that doesn't mean I cannot learn. I am learning today from you. I am learning every day. You always learn. And so that's it. But having to teach someone that's novice is one thing. To teach someone that's in a leadership role, you know, that's a tough one. You know, how do you see yourself? I mean, how how was that perceived from like someone, in, especially when he didn't have the experience? Once he became in a role of leader, it's different. You can say, oh, well, I was managing teams. I was leading teams. But if you didn't have that, it would be like, you know, someone who has no knowledge trying to teach someone with the knowledge. It becomes a serious conflict. So how did you maneuver through this? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, how do people 
actually become competent and effective, right? Like a big thing for me, and this is a common theme, right? How do you, how do you experience success when you've, how do you, you know, achieve success when you've never experienced it? Right. And so, uh, success breeds success, but if you've never, if you don't know how to achieve that success, right, it's kind of hard for people to just kind of swim around in the dark and maybe you'll find your way out of the pool. Right. But what helped me was when I had my co-facilitator and I basically took the time to study his approach with me. Right. And I said, okay, he's fun to be around. Like he's, he's warm and approachable, right? If you're, if you're scared, you don't have to be scared to ask him a question. If you're concerned about something number two he's fun to learn from he's always learning something interesting and you're like huh now i'm curious now i want to learn that too third he's always tinkering like he's always saying how can i make this better let's let's you know shuffle things around and what do you think of this and so that was the fourth part is that he's collaborative he's like he's inviting me to say hey look i line some things up i want your thoughts on this and basically he just had confidence that i had the ability to contribute Right. And then number five, he was a tireless worker. He set the tone well with his work ethic. Right. So you look at these tangible things and you realize, much to your point, right, there's two big factors with any leadership um, situation or or setup, right, where you have influence and then you have a title. There are people who carry the title but don't have any influence, right? No one respects them. They say, salute the rank, not the man, right? But there are presidents who people don't respect. Doesn't matter if they're president, right? Again, won't get into politics, but I'm sure people can figure out what the kind of names they're talking about, right? Then there's people who uh, don't have a title, but they have a lot of influence, right? Like Mother Teresa, right? That's the easy example, right? To say, well, you know, she never held a big political office, but everyone takes her seriously, even the people with big titles, right? And so how do you find a way to not only get the title, but have the level of influence that really helps this synergy uh, actually have some impact, right? And so some simple formulas for influence are, hey, uh, am I visible, right? People need to know that I'm around, that I'm actually doing something because, you know, quiet, like discreet donations are nice. It's good that you can have a very authentic motive and you're not doing this for show. But if nobody knows you're doing anything, how do you expect to build a case for yourself, right? So how, what is visibility? How do I show up without showing off uh, is the question I usually like to, to pose to my clients. The second is, okay, how am I adding value to this organization, right? Am I known as a problem solver, right? When people come to me with a situation, do I give good advice? Do I find solutions even when people think there is no solution? Uh, do I help equip people uh, to handle challenges better, right? Do I grow my people well so they are actually, you know, confident to handle their own tasks and able to go above and beyond with their own job duties, right? So title, yes. Like if someone promotes you, congratulations, right? Hopefully you've done enough to earn that promotion. And at the same time, how am I continually maintaining and earning trust among the people that are in my sphere of are in my immediate sphere of, of social connections? So those are, if I had to quantify a formula, which is very hard to do for leadership, but some basic principles to build on, I'd say start there. So, so, so let's, let's go there. Cause that's, that's pretty big. I mean, in, in its own. So yeah. I love what you said. Mm-hmm. This is a reality of things. You know, there's a lot of people out there with mm-hmm. great titles, mm-hmm. but it's like having a shoe that you can't fit because they yep. don't fit the shoe. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's really, you know, um, every, not everybody with a title really belongs in a title. And, mm -hmm. and you, you mentioned presidents and I'm, you can be in a president of a government or a president mm -hmm. in a company. I've seen, yep. I guess both, <laughs> you yeah. know, fiascos out there, right. Yep. You know, in, in history, we've seen a lot of that, mm -hmm. but you have, you have people in managerial, managerial, managerial roles that they have no place to be in a management role. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the other thing. I always tend to differentiate those two things, the mm -hmm. managerial role, doesn't yeah. matter what status you are, what rank, mm -hmm. it is rank. A leader doesn't need a rank. It, they they pretty much they're leaders because of who they are. Mm -hmm. Centers of influence. They lead by example. They are mm -hmm. out there. They are setting the vision. They're setting the, the the cadence, the pace, and all this stuff. You know, a leader is not absentee. You cannot mm -hmm. be an absentee leader and expect mm -hmm. to be. They're not feared. They're respectful. I mean, respected. Uh, mm -hmm. People will follow their their. They'll jump lives for them you know because mm -hmm. they believe in their vision and the mission and they believe in their person and because they are not actually pushing people they're literally pulling with them because that's usually what you find with a title guy or gal they sit back and they just order people mm -hmm. leaders don't order people yeah. do and make sure so these are all different things and you're right you know if you're not there well or if you just get a title and i love what you said like you know hopefully you did you earned that that right for that rank because sometimes mm -hmm. people don't earn it the right way yeah. and that's the other thing you can be a top performer doesn't mean that you're qualified to be an expert you know as a leader mm -hmm. or a manager yep you know i mean you can be the best as you can be in one area of expertise mm -hmm. you know because it's one thing to operate a process and do things tasks and another one is to manage you know mm -hmm. people humans uh, you know, it's it, conflict of interest is the biggest piece. I, I remember mm -hmm. this when I was a younger person. I, I had I was in an internship, and, and believe it or not, I met this uh, retired French pianist. Mm -hmm. um, he was so wise, that dude. I mean, I I mm -hmm. remember him like you know like yesterday, and we were having nice. discussions, and he was just like sharing with me some stuff as I was there. I mean, I was working in this hotel, and mm -hmm. you know, doing the, the rotation, different services, and yeah. every night he was there, and we would just spend some time talking. I just enjoyed the discussion with the dude. Now I was like twenty, and he was literally like in the sixties at the time, but he had so much, you know experience and stuff and he was already like you know up there and he, this was like his retirement thing and he was doing and one thing he said it stayed with me all the time is that he said it if as you grow in the in 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 the world and and, and potentially you grow in your business and career path the one thing that's going to be the most difficult thing is and handling and and living with others cooperating with others coordinating with others and and really having a uh, an interactive world discussions with people because the conflict of interest is going to be always or the conflict you know is a human conflict is going to be always a factor you have to be careful of that and he gave me that advice this is like 34 years ago right um 32 32 just to, to give you the exact age but but really it's that's long ago but it stood with me and actually i found exactly what he said real as i started my career path because one of the biggest problems you will find is people that are with you how to work with them how do mm. you you know you maneuver one of the things that i've learned over the years is to be a little bit of diplomatic i mean there's you have to use some diplomacy but you also can be you know blunt you can be direct mm -hmm. but you have to know it's not what you say it's how you say it and the approach that you use and it has to be validated as the other thing, i can't go well you know uh, jerry you, you're not doing a good job well no i do i'm doing a terrific job 
well, see, now if I come in like that, you know, you're going to get offended, right? Yep. But if I come to you with the, the press, listen, we've had so many things that were supposed to be done. And these were the things. And, you know, is there anything that, that made you not do these things? Well, I don't know how to do these things, right? I, I wasn't mm -hmm. trained. See, like now I, I can see what I used literally as a trick is that I want to know because I want to be sure that when I have that, 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 that discussion, that tough, you know, you know, discussion with you, that you had all the opportunity to be clear, to be understanding, mm -hmm. to know what your task and your job and so on and so forth. And yeah. by, by the way, truly, sometimes you, you inherit a team for example, as a leader. Yeah. And, and you don't know what to do with them because they, they, they're expected, to, you know, they're expecting something else because whoever mm -hmm. had them before may not have done a good job. Yep. And now, and vice versa, it could be the opposite. But yeah. in general, if they never got training, they never were told, they never given, you know, uh, the right direction of how to do and how to operate, then they have, you can't blame them. They know what they know. So it's yeah. a matter of understanding. You have to reach out and reach in and really get into the deep dive with these folks then understand. Now, once mm -hmm. you establish that and you put all that criteria, now the discussion becomes a lot easier, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. So, so, so you literally talking to these folks that have the read the leadership roles. And first of all, do you, have you seen, which I'm almost positive the answer will be yes, that there were some of them that really didn't belong there. <laughs> oh, of course. And, and was were you in a position to actually change that? Uh, yeah. So there's a couple of different situations we could unpack, right? Whether it's from my clients or just you know, and my own work team, right? Oh, so, nice. uh, I mean, so a quick example of just from my day job, which I like to call my leadership lab, right? I have to see if like the leadership concepts I read about actually stick with my team. And so there was a point, right, where one of my lead technicians, uh. I hired her from a previous company because of her title, but I didn't do the legwork to say, well, just because she has a title, are people really listening to her? Does she have a lot of influence? Does she actually pull her weight? And we learned quickly that she knew how to deflect. <laughs> she knew how to defend herself, but she would not take responsibility. She wasn't coachable. And now, right now, it's just this cavity that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And then you just realize, oh, like she's very knowledgeable, but she doesn't want to take responsibility because she's comes from a culture where like if if mistakes like can get you fired then she just wants to make sure that she's responsible for as few mistakes as possible even though the opposite approach would be true right and so that is one side where you realize you're like okay she should not be in a leadership position she should not be with the company so yeah after enough deliberation yeah we finally pushed her out the door right so yeah she didn't belong there and that was hard to fire her but we had to do it uh, you know, same thing with my clients, right? One client told me about a team he inherited and there was a guy that had been there for like seven or eight years, really great technically, was mad that he was never considered for management or leadership, right? But two previous supervisors, whenever they tried to address areas that he needed improvement on, he would just lock up, right? We like to joke, people think they're coachable until you find an opportunity or an, an area that they don't want to be coachable about. Right. It's like, well, you know, yeah, I'm pretty good. Well, about this thing with like, you know, like not calling clients back more time. Like, oh, no, 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 that's not right. And you're just like, okay, no, this is here's where the problem lies. Right. This is exactly why you're not getting promoted. But if you tell them that they're just going to lock up even further and then the conversation will not be 
productive. So we coached him through, well, hey, right, this the five steps I I walk my clients a lot through just to help them kind of get a game plan. We say, okay, well, what would a, sound, a, a good conversation sound like? What would a successful conversation sound like? It's like, well, it could be as easy as, hey, here's the areas that are, are basically a prerequisite for you to qualify for leadership, if take care of these things, and you're good. Okay, hey, thanks. Maybe it could be that easy. Is it likely? Probably not. But is it possible? And that's all we're going for, because most people, what do they do with conflict? Oh, this conversation is not going to go well, but I'm going to have to have it anyway. Well, you know, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If it's not going to go well, probably won't go well, right? So that's the first thing we say, well, let's, let's put a high ceiling just to see what happens. The second step is to find 10 seconds of courage to initiate this conversation, right? And so we say, hey, can you spend 10 seconds to send that email, pick up that phone, send that text, right? You don't have to be a superhero, just be a superhero for 10 seconds. Because if you wait until you feel like you're brave enough to actually have the conversation, it'll be three weeks and you'll still be rationalizing. So you want to set the ball in motion, lock the gate behind you and say, okay, nope, I this is in motion. I can't back out. Step three, let's do some strategy. Let's script your critical phrases, right? Hey, here are the main three things I want to put on paper and organize to make sure I, I address these during the conversation. Here's the possible pushback that he's probably going to give me when I try to address areas that uh, need improvement. And here's how I'm going to respond, assuming that's how he responds. Okay, now that we've kind of given some strategy and a roadmap, step four, let's rehearse these steps, right? Hey, spar with me verbally, right? Let's iron out your phrasing so that you don't trip over your own words in the moment, right? And then step five, let's follow through. Okay, and ask for permission for this guy, right? Hey, man, I... As your new leader, I am excited for the opportunity to try to help you get this promotion. And in order to do so, we're going to have to address some areas that are really difficult that previous supervisors struggled to address with you. Are you willing to do this with me and possibly do something different? Well, I guess so. It's like, think long and hard about your answer, right? Because if I try to introduce something and you immediately lock up, this discussion is over, right? I can't help you because I can't endorse this. And so you kind of put the ball on his court, right? And you also position yourself as a guide. Hey, I am not the obstacle to the promotion that you want, but yeah. I am the vehicle that you can <laughs> ride if you if you are willing to like follow my instructions how to drive this car, right? And so now, right, this is what this is what I see, right? Both from uh, a leader standpoint when I have to wear the mantle and wear the title, but also when I'm a coach when I'm not directly accountable uh, for the result that I'm helping orchestrate with my clients. Great. Thank you. That, that was, that was perfect. And, you know, you've touched on a few things that are very important to, to our listeners in this case. One is, um, I, I love what you said, like someone who had expectations, you know, to grow and every time they felt that they were not and, but there is a reason behind it. And that's the other thing. People have to be aware if, you know, I can get it. If I'm, you're my first supervisor or manager, whatever. And I have, I've, I've tried to go up, you know, in the ladder and you kind of didn't do it. So maybe it's something that you have against me, but then you have a second manager that has the same thing and you're not going anywhere. Now a third person and you're still not going anywhere. That's a good question to ask. Like, what am I not doing? And again, that's, that's again, accountability one-on-one. -on -one. I love what you said about, you know, the person that, you know, you're in charge, you're doing stuff. You have to be accountable. You can't deflect. You have tasks, you have jobs, you have performance metrics that you have to make to meet. And if you're not able, every time I tell you, like, why is it not happening? You're going to find a reason why it didn't happen. You know, 
there's always a reason why it not happened, but there's also reasons why it should have happened, <laughs> you know. And if it's part of your task and 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 your 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 performance, then it has to happen, and that's just clear. I mean, that's just you know basic stuff. And it is important. Again, I love what you 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 talked about that taking responsibility. You know, like sometimes, yeah, you drop the ball. I get it. I'm sorry. I did it. You know, I understand that's that's my weakness, and that actually by by admitting sometimes by by being clear about what your weakness is your leader can help you you're you're that's that's the thing like if how can i help you if you're not like to your point you're locked down and you're not allowing me to get in you know it's really on you i love what you said about the ball in your court because and that's really what it is we can do it your way we can do it my way but i'm giving you the opportunity to advance i'm giving you the opportunity to improve and but i can't you know it's like when you talk to clients you want to do some probing and assessing their needs and a leader needs to assess the needs of their 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 folks, right? And then ultimately by assessing, they can address certain things and work in areas that they can help them improve to the next level. Now, is that guaranteeing that that person is going to go to the next level? Probably not a guarantee. However, depends in if, first of all, there's another person maybe more qualified or better, you know, suited for the role. That's one. Two, they could, but sometimes even if you do all the improvement, nothing is happening. As you said, you know, eventually you had to, you know, get that person out. It happens too, you know, but, but setting expectations is a key element that, that we should all have in, in, in personal life in business is definitely a must, you know, to me, if you are a, a leader to a team, the first thing that the team, whether you are the president level or any supervisory role, first thing you need to have is the ability to clearly, clearly state what the vision, what the mission, what is, what is ahead of us. And people have to understand what's going on. If they know what's the end game, they will be part of it. You will basically make them part of that, you know, uh, growth. They understand what's the fight, what are they doing? But if you just, um, we want to do this and you just got to do it. Now you're a dictator and you're not going to get that influence and that buy-in and stuff. It is a simple thing. Now, someone can argue with me like, well, it's not a democracy. It's not. But, but, but yes, that's true. There are executive decisions and we got to do. But sometimes if you're doing it ir not realistically, if you're setting goals that are not feasible or you're expecting people to jump hoops that they can, then you're just setting the whole team to fail. So you have to be, you know, balanced and understanding what, what your capabilities are in the first place. You know, you also have to know who, who you have on your team. Not everybody is equally suitable. I mean, they all can have the same degree, but some people are good at one thing versus the other. And do you know how to maneuver your team according to the task that you can? Are they played full? Are they less... Uh, can you move people around so you can actually get them in a better position that can get them more success? That's the other. Sometimes we set people in the wrong role and expect them to deliver better. Ain't yeah. going to happen. You know, it's all these things that do happen. And so I love what you said about, you know, the way you break it down to them and, mm -hmm. and have that. Here it is. It's in your court now. Mm -hmm. You have, I am here for you. I am here to support you. I'm not here to do. And that's not, that may open them up to like, Okay. So now someone can say, well, that's just an HR thing that you're trying to avoid, you know, lawsuits and stuff. And, you know, these cases, uh, you know, while you have to be, you know, mindful of all the laws and how you do it. And this is pure, you know, coaching and training, you know, and, and really I need you to be, you know, good. Now, if there's something that I have against you as, as a human, that becomes more an HR problem. But if this is pure performance and the, the numbers don't, don't play, they don't, they're not lying. You know, you're not doing X, Y, Z. You're not communicating properly. You're not doing so on and so forth. Guess what? It is my role to address those things. Now you have two choices. You can accept what I'm telling you and absorb, 
and learn from there and, and allow me to help you. Or you can be stubborn and say, I got this and you're not getting anything done. And then I'm going to have to come back and say, you know, we had this conversation a month ago. You were supposed to do X, Y, Z. I offered my help. It's documented. It's all done. We've given you the opportunity to train and coach and stuff, but you are not still doing it. Now let's go. Now we're going to have an HR person present and we're going to have a different discussion. See, it's two different ways. But the best way, as you said, is that the ability to sit up, whether you are the one who's reprimanding or you are the one who's coaching, you know, how to, you know, to bring that to people. Because sometimes people have a fear to do that. I mean, especially a newbie. Someone who is first time in a leadership role, they tend to be tougher and or weaker. Two yeah. things. Either they're over tough because they want to like, I'm the manager, mm. you know, and or the other one is like, I don't want to piss them off. I want to be cool. I want to be liked. Yeah. It's both of those are bad. You know, being liked is a is a bonus, you know, and that would be nice. A true leader doesn't have to be liked, but they will be appreciated. They will be respected. And that's all there is. Once you get, you earn that respect to the team, they will like you anyways. It comes in as a plus, but that's the other thing. But, but they also know that you're about, you know, not a person, you will take care of people, but if someone doesn't perform, you are not shy away from the idea that, Hey, listen, it's time to have a, a discussion and let's go on, on a, on a disciplinary action or a PIP, you know, process. Right. So it's, it's a pretty thing, but, but it is, it takes a lot of energy. People ha have the fear. I love what you said that you are preparing them, you know, in those steps to be ready for that discussion. Most people are not ready for that discussion. Uh, initially, if this is the first time they have it. Now, in time you become an expert, you can talk and talk and talk. But if you're not, you know, it, it, and you're afraid that what am I, what if I say the wrong thing? <laughs> what if this person comes back and, you know, deflects and uses different things that I didn't know? And the other thing I would say is that you need to also know your stuff. You know, you need to do your homework about stuff, have data, to sustain, you know, and, and support whatever you're actually going to have a discussion with. You guys are like, well, you, you're not doing a good job. Well, what gives? Uh, well, that's why your supervisor told me. <laughs> I was told that you're not a good, you know, employee. That's not going to fly. What flies is like, you know, show me the numbers. Show me, here's your task. Here's your job description. Here's what you've been doing. Here's where we are. Here's your role that are similar and where the performance is and where you are. You are on the lower, you know, performance level here. That's a problem. You know, we need to bring you up. If you did a good job about that, you're going to get a good, you know, feedback, good acceptance, and probably a good outcome. And and so, so that, I think that's my little two cents in there. <laughs> so, so, so what are some of the mistakes people make in your expertise that you've encountered currently, you know, and in, 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 I'm sure you're doing this over and over for a few years now. What are some of the conflict issues that you find uh, are being really driven by by a bad mistake somewhere where it shouldn't have happened and it's happening yeah i mean don't get me wrong guys i've made all these mistakes too so this is the way this <laughs> is from learning and growing together so i think we uh, all did you know yeah, yeah 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 that's be i don't want like we don't want people to think he's some awful dodger that's like oh he's never failed it's like no you fail all the time that's how you learn so uh some of the mistakes that i know i've made and i see a lot of people make in their discussions are number one uh they they go in with a justified story that isn't yet verified, right? So let's let's take a simple example, even just between friends, right? Let's say, oh, I was supposed to meet my friend Joe for a movie, and he did not show up. 
And so now I'm sitting there thinking, oh, Joe, Joe's just, he's just not that reliable, right? And then he, he never comes through for me when I need him to. And then, you know, you find out Joe had a family emergency and like his phone was like low on battery and he couldn't call you back even after you tried several times, right? And now there's egg on your face because you just was like, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't, I justified my story and it felt right to me, but I didn't actually find out what the truth was, right? So that's the first problem. Uh, and the second common mistake in line with that is uh, listening to respond and not listening to listen, right? And so people are just ready to jump in and interrupt. And that just escalates the situation, right? Because it means instead of actually taking in what the person has to say and actually caring about what they have to say, you're just trying to, you're too busy, you're focused on defending yourself as soon as you hear something you think is going to make you look bad or be like, I don't want to admit that I could take responsibility for that. So yeah, that's another thing. Uh, the third is uh, conflict to conform and not collaborate, right? When we insist to say, this is the solution, this is what I need you to do, and this is why I need you to do it, and anything less than that will be unacceptable, as opposed to saying, hey, so now that we agree on a problem, right, what do you and I need to do together so that this doesn't happen again, right? Like, which which approach is probably going to get uh, a better response, right? One where the other person can offer their take and get more buy-in, or one that says, no, I'm just going to twist your arm until you agree to do what I need to say. And here's why, right? Even if you have your reasons, uh, those are, that's a dangerous place to be because you keep insisting that you are right and you are not open to uh, other possibilities that might actually be better than what you think you came up with. Thank you. And, and you know, Jerry, you, you touched on a very important piece, which is if you are going to be in a position of leadership that you're going to have a discussion with anyone, mm -hmm. you do want to be active listening and really, to your point, not just jump to conclusions. You, you need to hear and be able to 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 have the because again, if you're just listening and or like you're like just ready to fire back or anticipate an answer, that's the other thing. Sometimes people anticipate, you know, oh no no no, we're not going to go there, you know, and you haven't even heard the whole thing. You just want to because you want to make your point. Sometimes take it slow, absorb everything and be able to actually come back. So you stayed at this and then you break it down. So I love what that, that's, that's a big piece. I love what you said about, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. And that, mm -hmm. that's what I said, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta have some support and, mm -hmm. and wait to see like what that excuse. Now, if it's a blunt excuse, you won't know, <laughs> but if it's legitimate, I mean, everybody, we're human. I mean, we're not robots. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is not like command press and then it's going to go like, you know, chat GPT. It's going to respond to you. Even chat GPT will tell you, I can't answer that question. Mm -hmm. I'm only, I've only learned up to 2021. Yeah. <laughs> you know, literally that's the response when you ask question to chat GPT that doesn't, that it doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Not everybody, we don't know everything. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. You have to be as, as you have to be able to accept, you know, some comeback from these folks because mm -hmm. this is, again, it's not dictatorship. You know, they let them speak. At the end of the day, it's the facts and the stuff. It makes a difference. And they'll appreciate you more that way because if they if they think that you're up to get them and you are making that obvious, mm -hmm. then they're going to basically like shield up. Yeah. If they think that you're there to support them and you're not there, I mean, even when I've, I've, listen, I've had cases where people knew that they made something wrong and they come in, in for an actual tough discussion, mm -hmm. but they're coming in with the, the mind that it's it still can be good. Because mm -hmm. I don't just come in like, you know, listen, X, Y, Z happened. Let's talk. What was the reason? Yeah. And then they start talking and then, okay, well, so you mean to tell me 
That's what, and then when sometimes I realized personally, this happened to me, I realized that there was something behind that I wasn't aware of in my operation or something else. And then I'm like, okay, well, so, so I'll take that. Let me look into it. And then I work with that because, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm just not going to make that, you know, and sometimes, you know, that's just a hoax story. And I know it's not there because I already got the other feedback. Mm -hmm. But so, so you don't, you don't just jump to conclusions and expect, you know, to get a, the best outcome. Mm -hmm. I, so those things, I mean, by the way, those are mistakes that I also made originally when I started. Yeah. You know, because when I was literally, when I learned, when I became a manager, I was very young and, you know, my mentor literally taught me one thing, like, you know, it's this or else. I mean, it was literally like, you know, if you don't do this, you're out. If you don't do mm -hmm. this, you're there. So yeah. in a way I learned that. The, and yeah. so it became that and became me. But for a minute, I didn't like it. <laughs> and so I'm, I swear I didn't like it because I realized that's not how I wouldn't, I wouldn't want people to talk to me like that. So why mm -hmm. would I have to do that? So I switched my my approach and I learned to do, to do it in a different way. And it became better and better. So I, I, I learned from my own mistake not to do it that way and to get more mm -hmm. from people instead of shielding up, they open up to you. Mm -hmm. And they know that you're not really against them. You are there to support them. So yeah. that that's an important. Now, leadership, you know, what are some of the questions that you will ask some of these leaders you know, to identify their issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a great book called The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungie Senior, and he has he he goes over seven questions that any leader should use in in their leadership style, just to incorporate just a little, little bit of a coaching style, just to help kind of grow people and help them process. And I list some of them, yeah, in the profile that you're looking at, <laughs> and one of them is usually just to start with say hey well what are you learning right when they come to me a situation normally they're like just jerry just fix it right they're in crisis mode they're like jerry just fix it and you just we're like okay, you know why don't we slow down what are you learning from this you know moment and then they start to slow down and start to process and they're like you know what uh i learned that um you know punctuality is something that people easily mess up right when or people are easily neglect that rule because they don't want to admit that it's like, it's beneficial just to even be on time and even a couple minutes late can can cause problems it's like okay so if you're if we know that this is uh, a problem the second question then well what's the real challenge here for you it's like oh okay so the real challenge is not that people are late but that i feel disrespected when people are late right it's like oh okay so now that you've uncovered this is there's feelings and a lot of internal processing that's actually the issue and not just the surface level action number three which is my favorite which is another great question well what is your next action right what are you going to do about this right uh what is your next action is a particularly popular question because it cuts out the victim mentality it's a great way to cut through complaining because people are too busy focusing now okay I need to move forward and I need to do something active about it. So what will this be? It's like, hey, all right, let me pull aside this person that's frustrating me and let me get curious about, you know, what are the reasons they keep showing up late, right? Kind of like to not uh, fall back into some of the mistakes we mentioned earlier in the conversation. Hey, I have my mind made up about why this person's late. They're just, you know, they're just slacking and they're just lazy and I got I to gotta go in there and twist their arm and be like, hey, man, just leave five minutes earlier. It's like, well, maybe there's a better approach, right? Maybe there are some extenuating circumstances that are unfortunate, but, you know, at the same time, you're like, well, hey, how are you going to work around this, right? Get them to come up with solutions. So these are some of the uh, more frequent questions that I use, uh, whether I'm coaching somebody or I have to confront somebody because sometimes the coaching approach is the best way to confront. You know, actually using the three stars approach where you have to get, you know, everything like 
because people will give you partial stuff. You want yeah. it's not you want to dig in further, mm -hmm. get more points, get more points until you get the full answer, and that's actually perfect because you get more uh, out of the discussion. So, mm -hmm. so now you're coaching right now. Um, mm -hmm. This is this is remote, or I mean, I know you're you're in Austin. Are you still in Austin, uh, Jerry? Yeah, no, there was a there was a blip there. Uh, but go ahead yeah. and repeat your question. Yeah, no, so I you said, said I'm I still coaching. Yeah, yeah. You, you, so is this remote for you? Like, you know, how does that work? Where you have to have to to be in in, in a location with someone? Yeah, no, great question. Um, obviously, after the pandemic, a lot of things went hybrid. So I do have clients that I meet with remotely, uh, but I also have local clients. I contract with the with my uh, local uh, local university here where I live. And uh, yeah, so uh, occasionally we do have clients that do want in-person sessions and thankfully we're able to do that. And, you know, every, every format has their blessings and challenges. And so, you know, we're just thankful that because things are remote, uh, you can have a greater reach uh, that you could ever have if you just only wanted like in-person meetings. I love it. Now, now you, you are, um, uh, what are you, what I was going to ask you is, give me here, the, the link to you. Yeah. I have it here as adaptingleaders.com. Is that is that the so that's your website? Yeah, that's the website. And there's a free guide where I walk through the five steps that I mentioned earlier. Uh adaptingleaders.com forward slash guide. G-U-I-D-E. I didn't I need to update the profile you're looking at, but uh yeah, that's that's the free guide that you can offer. In fact, it'll pop up as soon as people go to adaptingleaders.com. So you know, good. either so way they'll as, get into it. Yeah. We, we just wanted them to get you now. Now I wanna just one more question. Yeah, Asian go for American it. leaders. Uh-huh. I mean, Asian American as in 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 just whole or is it specific in the industry? I mean, it's because you could interpret it a couple of different ways. So I'm glad oh, yeah, you're making what, yeah, this distinction yeah, because yeah, you can say, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, whether you're an Asian that's born in America, that's technically one form of Asian American. I've also coached people who have have are are biracial, right? They have an Asian parent and an American parent, and then they are Asian American, right? So there's this umbrella theme of hey, I am I'm I'm in one culture. I grew up in a different culture, or you know, I I'm dealing with one culture that's different from the culture I grew up with, and that's really I think the bigger thing that we all are I need to adapt to in this world that's more connected than ever. But yeah, for people who are familiar with honor shame backgrounds and honor shame cultures right that understand hey yeah there's a hierarchy um you know very command and control authority uh you know follow the rules and good things will happen right uh this is the kind of uh culture that i like to coach people through and to help kind of break down some of the barriers and the limiting beliefs that come from that and the scars that need to heal and uh yeah i mean it's it's beautiful to see people that realize, hey, you know what? Um, I don't I don't have to be ashamed if there's a rule that I, I'm breaking in, but it's no longer serving me to follow it, right? And so that's what we're trying to get people to realize. Hey, you know what? Maybe you don't have to follow those rules anymore. Jerry, thank you. And by the way, I, I have to say this. I mean, I, I admire the, the Asian culture personally. I mean, all of it. I mean, traditions and stuff. And, uh, yeah. you know, there's just so much to it. I mean, I've been in the martial arts, so I got awesome. connected to it through that, through there. Yeah. And, uh, but there's a lot of respect. There's a lot of stuff. And you're right. There's hierarchies, there's expectations. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it causes conflict, especially, I mean, new generation versus old generation. That's a big mm -hmm. difference in approach. So I love that you actually are dedicating to help, you know, 
all those folks not to go through this and get in almost like bridging that gap, you know, and making sure that it's easier to 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 operate and navigate, which is which is sometimes yeah. very difficult. So thank you. And I, I admire that. Now one more thing. Now yeah. this is for all businesses or you know, or I mean in person, like personal stuff and work, or is it just, you know, specifically to businesses or business? Uh, yeah, great, great, great question. Let's let's make this distinction and clarification. So um yeah, basically the latest tagline for my business, I'm kind of going through in the middle of a rebranding. So it's kind of funny that we Perfect. rescheduled and things. <laughs> uh, basically, the idea that I'm focusing on is that I help Asian leaders become more visible, vocal, and valuable, right? So just to, hey, let's let's make sure you flourish right where you are, that you are, uh, that people notice and appreciate the work that you do, that you speak up when you need to advocate for yourself and that, yeah, you can feel good about the level of, of effort and effectiveness that you that you bring for your company or your organization, right? And so, yeah, um, there's this greater theme of I need to chart my own path, right? So not just flourish where I am, but maybe you know what? Maybe I take a career that my parents don't agree with, right? And dealing with that conflict there. So there's this really wonderful intersection of hey, you know what? I need to. I want to be able to have the self-assurance that I can handle anything that comes my way, including disagreements over the person I possibly marry, you know, how does my family react to that? Maybe it's the career that my parents think, I mean, you know, is unprofitable. I mean, my parents, when they found out I started a leadership coaching company, they were like, why? Like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, we don't even know what this is. And that's probably not stable. And to understand and appreciate what they were looking for and what they wanted for me and to understand, hey, you know what, we actually, you know, I actually do want to get married and have kids and have a great job, just not on your terms, right? And ultimately, you realize people pleasing uh, means that you are probably not going to be satisfied with your choices. And ultimately, when you realize my decisions, my consequences, okay, let me let me roll that dice because I'm going to bet on myself more than the approval of others. That's powerful. I mean, uh, thank you for for that clarification. I love it. I mean, your concept is great, and it's definitely. It can it can make a difference in 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 a lot of ways and helping people really know who they are, have a good identity about themselves, be able to face those things. And you're right. I mean, the choices that are yours to make at the end of the day, you sink or swim, right? It's up to you. And you're right. People sometimes are tight with the idea that somebody else is kind of making them do things as opposed to them making those decisions. But it's not for everyone, and sometimes people need the the assistance. And I love it. So it's perfect timing that we had this show today because of your transition and you're actually going more on, on a deeper side. So business, otherwise you're helping them really just be themselves and being better at, at handling any type of conflict in a way. Yep. So Jerry, we're, we've just exceeded the hour here, but, but I, you know, and we can have another hour easily, but so what is maybe some of your best advice you can give to our audiences right now? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, if I had to give maybe three action steps, uh, the first is to generate awareness, uh, right? Why do I believe what I believe? You know, why do I do what I do? You know, how did I arrive at this point? Uh, the second is now that I have this awareness, uh, what adjustments do I need to make? So the first is awareness. The second is adjustments, right? To say, okay, well, how would I tweak these things? You know, what is no longer serving me? What are some ideas I want to, to try uh, or to experiment with? 
And then three is accountability, right? Find that support network. So awareness, adjustments, and accountability to make sure that the adjustments that I make for myself are actually going to stick. Or if I decide I don't like them, then I'm, you know, hey, well, it was a nice experiment and I can, you know, go back to what I was used to. So I would say try those three things, uh, number one, to so you're not just caught in the rat race and you just are just running and you're like, why am I running? Right. You know, what am I doing? Like, am I just paying bills and just living for the weekends? Or, you know, how do they get here? Right. And to say, well, you know what, I, I have a choice in the matter. I can change things. And if I do change things, let me start with small things that are easy and feasible. And then, yeah, let me make sure I have a support network so that I don't just flake on myself and break promises I made to myself. So I would say those are three things to just play around with and see what happens. Awful stuff, man. Thank you so much. This this being real. It's been fun. Um, you know, I learned a lot. I've uh, you know, I know I put some couple of my sense there, but but really, you know, this was your show and you you've you've shared with us some real valuable things that I think it's good to be reminded of. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much you know, you always learn neutron. And you've you've thrown in a couple of good ones that we can all use in our personal life or business world, right? So so thank you, Jerry, and good luck with with you know, the rebranding and and just you know, keep up the the great work out there and you know helping people. Uh, so that's that brings us to the end, folks. So uh, Jerry, thank you so much. And, welcome, and folks. You're welcome. And, and 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 folks, you know this this been real, and uh, you know hope you enjoyed this particular show. Uh, let's stay tuned for the next one. Uh, so I'm Hurricane H. We'll be talking soon. Bye for now. There's a lot of talk all over the internet these days about the remarkable benefits of carbon 60, and baby boomers are especially excited about it. Whatever generation you're in, if you want more energy, better health, and a boost in vitality, we invite you to try Greska's Carbon 60, a stunning development in free radical destruction. Being much smaller in size than conventional antioxidants derived from fruits and vegetables, it is far more bioavailable to quickly mend the toxin-crippled cells in your body. Greska's Carbon 60 is the only C60 product that is made without the use of undesirable solvents. The only one. Greska's Carbon 60 was developed by a brilliant NASA carbon scientist and 95% report positive results from this Nobel Prize winning technology in just four days. Visit c-60.com. That's c-60.com or call 720-600-6040. 